They don't call it exploitation for nothing, Peter. <laughs> Radio Drone. Welcome to the final episode of the year for Radio Drome. I am Josh Hadley. With me, as always, is the man himself, Peter. Yes. See, I just uh, I, I feel I just pissed like a racehorse, so that took a lot of energy out of me. And then we have a man, Cecil. What the? Amen what? to Cecil. Why is? He, yeah, there you go. Why is he the man and I'm a man? Because Josh he, just, he could kill both of us. Like that. I'm going to kick your a-hole. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, if you want to see things in a-holes, you go to adamandeve.com. Oh. You set me up. I had to take it. I set you up twice in a row. <laughs> you go to adamandeve.com. Use the promo code DROME, D-R-O-M-E, and you will get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, a free sex swing, and free U.S. shipping. Just use the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. We're going to do an actor retrospective, and the actor, Burt Reynolds, is one of my all-time favorite actors. He's he's just one of those guys that, he's he's up there with, like, Michael Ironside and Lance Henriksen, that even when he's in something bad, even when you can tell he does not want to be in this movie, he gives 110%. And right now, he's in very, very poor health. I don't know if he's going to make it through the end of the year, but Burt Reynolds shaped a lot of our childhood. What is the quintessential... Burt Reynolds role to you? Is it Gator McCluskey? Is it J.J. McClure? Is it the Bandit? Is he B.L. Stryker? Who is Burt Reynolds to you? I gotta go with Jack Horner from Boogie Nights. Not a bad choice. That's a, that's a movie I find myself revisiting a lot because I I love its style. I love the way it's acted. Burt Reynolds is fantastic. Probably why is his Marky Mark's best movie? It's probably Marky Mark's best movie ever. And I really. Just overall, everybody plays their characters to a T, but I find Burt Reynolds to be the most memorable in that one, possibly because it might be one of the first things I ever saw him in. I mean, I, I think I saw Deliverance first, but I really found him, uh, even like Smokey and the Bandit, and I, I know I saw that a lot when I was a kid, but something about him in Boogie Nights really stood out to me. He just he oozed charisma in that one, he, even though he was like older than like half the crew. like And he didn't he want was, to do that movie at all and hated and, it. Yeah, apparently didn't even want to do it. He was still f***ing awesome in that film. Turd Ferguson. <laughs> no, oh God. Wow, that got a zero. Um <laughs> Sonny Hooper. Uh Oh my Hooper. god, Hooper is such a great movie, man. Oh my god. Hooper I grew up uh, on that. I, love it. I, I saw that like I I I'm not entirely sure because you know, we're going back a ways, but I saw Hooper at some point in the eighties, and I think that might have been my first Burt Reynolds movie, and I just was in love with it. I mean it's it's so just I mean the action sequences are so well done because it's how Needham, you know, setting up all these great and the the final thing with the with the 
the car, the car is just amazing, and the and the uh, the smokestack falling over, and oh, it's just such a great movie. And I think that even though I think Smokey and the Bandit is probably the better movie, I still just go back to Hooper because it's just there's something magical about it. Smokey and the Bandit is is really like if I had to pick another one, I would go with Smokey and the Bandit and just the Bandit because uh, hell, I had the Matchbox car, uh, you know, for that, and uh, it it just was badass. But uh, Hooper's great. One of the things about Burt Reynolds is, and this is this might sound like I'm insulting him at first, but I'm absolutely not. Like when I reviewed for Forces of Geek the 40th anniversary screening of Smoking the Bandit, I said Burt Reynolds doesn't even play a character in this movie. He is charisma personified, and that's what he does in every movie. He is he almost has a weird natural charisma to him that. <laughs> laugh how can you not love that oh yeah absolutely agree it's it's exactly the same thing what i meant uh, in terms of his performance in boogie nights like he is constantly oozing with charisma no matter what role he's taking on he will make you remember it to to kind of piggyback with that to show how much how memorable he is he was in an ensemble cast with cannonball run and often you remember you know him and dom deloise captain uh, just, chaos captain K- dun 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 him it's just so dumb but it works so well. Like, I love Cannonball Run, and uh, I know they're in the process of trying to remake it. Good God. But, um, yeah, Burt Reynolds just has a charm and a charisma about him. He's such a unique guy. Like, he really seems like somebody who you could sit down with and have a drink, and uh, he would just, like, w- like, even if you hated him, he'd probably win you over, like, almost immediately. Burt Reynolds is a little strange in the fact that he was, this was at a time when going from TV into movies was a difficult thing. And he started off on TV like most actors did. But here's the thing. He might be more famous for the two major roles he didn't take. And he turned down both of these. He was originally offered the role in 1968 of James Bond. And he he turned it down saying, quote, an American can't play James Bond. You're crazy. And then they, <laughs> th- that's when they chose, chose George L- Lazenby for it. Then mm. in 1977, he was the studios, Fox's first choice for Han Solo in Star Wars. And he turned it down to do Smokey and the Bandit instead. Just think of that. He was almost James Bond and almost Han Solo. How many other actors could still have a career after two franchise misfires like that? He inadvertently helped shape, uh, shape Harrison Ford's career. You know, with, without him turning that down, I don't think we would have ever seen Harrison Ford in anything. He would have just stayed as a, as like a carpenter or whatever he was doing. So that's, that's kind of incredible. I think that they were probably wise decisions because, uh, I don't think he would have been a good James Bond and I don't think he would have been a good Han Solo. I think that he was a, uh, excellent character for Smoking the Bandit. I think it was, uh, I think that it wouldn't have particularly worked. Now, granted, I'm looking at this with hindsight. Who knows how they might have been? There was uh, there was a TV interview way back in the 80s where they were talking about uh, actors and their first roles and stuff. And they were interviewing Burt Reynolds and Clint Eastwood. And they were talking to both of them. And they said that they both went in to the same, uh, like they were both trying out for like the same role. Casting director called them into the office and he was talking to Clint Eastwood first. And he's like, you know, well, you, you've got some talent, but you kind of, you need to speak up a little bit. Like nobody can really understand what you're saying. And, and it's like, we kind of like your look but we we just we think you need to work more on your acting and burt reynolds is like well what about me and he's like you son you can't act 
you need to look into another career. And, and, you know, look, Burt Reynolds, one of the most celebrated actors in our time. So showing that a lot of times the studio heads, yeah, they don't always know what they're doing. Burt Reynolds, he kicked around television for the late fifties and the early sixties. You know, he was a pretty regular on Riverboat. He was in episodes of Alfred Hitchcock Presents, The Blue Angels, Ripcord, Pony Express, things like that. So he was kicking around TV for a while and some minor roles. Then he got a regular gig on Gunsmoke. And by the way, this is all mustache-free Burt Reynolds, which to me, he is one of those guys, like Tom Selleck, has to have a mustache. Okay? <laughs> you you, you cannot. You, you, he, he looks weird without a mustache. Um, well, he doesn't look bad either way, but he's, he's a guy that you're so used to seeing with a mustache that it is weird. It's, it's a lot like Sam Elliott, like watching, uh, Sam Elliott in Frogs and you keep forgetting it's even him because he doesn't have the mustache on. You get clued in every time he starts talking. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, that's Sam Elliott. I, I keep forgetting because he doesn't have that epic freaking cowboy mustache. So I, I do agree. It's kind of, um, it, it is sort of a weird facet of, of his personality. It's definitely a, it's, it's both a Burt Reynolds trait a tom Selleck trait and a sam elliott trait without their mustaches they they lose their power it's just weird like uh i mean yeah seeing him without the the, the mustache it's odd but because uh, you're just you're so used to it and i know same thing with tom Selleck. but uh and i think they also come from the age when you could still get away with mustaches like you don't really see mustaches on on you see them on black guys now but you, you don't see just mustaches on anybody like that's under 40 just it looks weird <laughs> so uh you know you get a soul patch or a goatee or a full beard but or or maybe you get like the handlebar mustache the hipsters but you don't get just the regular old you know burt reynolds mustache it's peculiar seeing him with without it because that is kind of his his trait it's like seeing uh uh patrick stewart with hair this wait this is weird so so like i said he was kicking around tv perry mason twilight zone he was in a two-part flipper episode i don't quite remember that one and then he got his first tv series hawk in 1966 that was quickly canceled the first movie anyone might notice him from is sam fuller's 1969 movie shark that's the one that he wishes not that he didn't do but he's a little ashamed of have either of you seen shark uh no can't say i have uh, mm, I'm, I've seen Gator. <laughs> Gator's coming up, and there doesn't have an al- well. Alligators are in it, but you know, you know what I mean. This is the Samuel Fuller movie based on the novel His Bones Are Coral. It wasn't originally called Shark. It was called Kane, which is his character's name in it. But during a scene underwater while they're treasure hunting, a cameraman was actually killed by a shark, and it's on. Oh. Cam- it's in the movie. The footage of the cameraman by the other cameraman is in the film. Oh God. And Sam Fuller and Burt Reynolds were so pissed off at what the producers did by changing the name Shark, by changing the name to Shark, and using the cameraman's death as a selling point on the news to sell the film, Burt Reynolds basically disowned it. He won't have anything to do with the movie. It's a shame. It's it's a really good movie. It's a little slow. I mean, it's a 60s movie. It's a slow movie, but I, I generally like it. But yes, it, you see a guy actually killed by a shark in this movie. A, for real. I didn't know about that. That's pretty crazy. I can see why he would be uh, ashamed of that, and I can actually see that as a very noble act of him to disassociate himself from it because that's that's really scummy of the producers to do, to actually leave in somebody really dying. 
They don't call it exploitation for nothing, Peter. <laughs> then you got another TV series in the 70s called Dan August, which had TV movies all the way up until the 1980s. But then his big, no, I don't say big break, but his big break where he really broke into the mainstream was in Deliverance as Lewis. Again, mm. mustache free, but he's the badass who rescues everybody from the pig fucking hillbillies. Deliverance is a classic. I haven't seen it in a really long time, but it's one of those ones that when I saw it for the first time, it was because I had been getting into like horror movies and namely kind of survival horror movies and redneck horror stuff like, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and things like that. And when I had caught wind of Deliverance and people had been talking, talking about it, it sounded a lot like one of those types of movies. So I saw it and it is kind of different. It does have horror elements to it it's more just like you know man against the elements and also against like rednecks weird redneck rapists and whatnot but it's a really really good movie and it's one that i'd like to watch again because i think the last time i'd saw it, it i was at least maybe 17 or 18 years old so almost uh, a little more than 10 years ago um i had seen it last but i really enjoyed it and i think i'll be i'll be checking it out again soon because it is one of those great sort of uh like first blood-esque man against nature survivalist kind of films and it's really um solid in that interpretation of that happening, it's very much, um, it feels very realistic. It's very, very raw and real. And it's, uh, it's one of my favorites of that, of that genre. It punches you right in the colon. It does. Absolutely does. The weirdest thing about Deliverance to me is Burt Reynolds doesn't have a mustache, but John Voight does. That's <laughs> just wrong. <laughs> that one also has a good, um, portrait. That was before. Ronnie Cox started doing villainous corporate dudes. He had always been kind of... Yeah, he was a good more, guy. He was the good guy, happy-go-lucky, very nice sort of characters he was playing during that time and before then. So this was that was one of the last movies he played um, like an actual good guy character. So that's another interesting thing to note about that film. It's, uh, it's a doozy. It's like, unfortunately, now it's been parodied to death and whatnot, so it doesn't quite have the impact that uh, it did back then. But, uh, I mean, when I saw it or sometime in the 90s, uh, I didn't really know that much about it, uh, aside from... You didn't you know, know the there was that, Ned Beatty anal rape? Uh, I, I had heard there was, I heard there was rape, but uh, I didn't know uh, it was going to be Ned Beatty, uh, wee! Uh, rape. So I, I kind of was a little shocked at that. It's doozy, man. I think that it's uh, one of the most tense backwoods like horror movies out there. It definitely, you know, it, I mean, it, it's you know, if you want to split hairs, horror, thriller, whatever, but uh, it uh, it definitely is is quite a nail biter and really yeah. uh, just well done, just very uncomfortable. And, I would uh, definitely call it at least a thriller. It 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 uh, it's earned at least that right because it does have. A lot of those like sort of horror like moments without without really being a traditional horror film. If the Final yeah. Terror is a horror movie, then Deliverance is. Yeah, and, uh, it's it's similar. Final Terror is actually a lot like uh, Deliverance in a way. It's it's sort of more uh, survival wilderness kind of stuff. Then he would have a small cameo in Woody Allen's Everything You Wanted to Know About Sex But Were Afraid to Ask. A lot of you know everyone knows the Bandit and they know the Cannonball Runs. A lot of people seem to forget the Gator McCluskey franchise. I know it's only two movies, but we got White Lightning, which is an amazing wreck everything exploitation. Burt Reynolds charismatic as hell. Have either of you guys seen White Lightning or its 1976 sequel Gator? I have I have seen Gator 
Gator, I did not see White Lightning. Did Did you know Gator was a sequel? I had no idea that Gator was a sequel. Yeah, he played he played Gator McCluskey in 1973's White Lightning. And personally, of the two, I actually think Gator is the better film. White Lightning's fun, but I actually think Gator is the better film. Yeah, Gator. Uh, I love Gator. It's uh, it's a very like just like like it's just fun. It's silly and uh, it it's that weird um, like action film that uh, you know we we would get back then, but don't really get now. It, I mean, it's one of those few movies where the trailer actually touts how many boats and cars and buildings they blow up in the course of the movie. <laughs> oh God, yeah. And this like, was back in the day when they did it for real too. Yeah, yeah. It's like, hey, we we got fifty cars and we're gonna destroy them all. <laughs> Ah, uh, the 70s. Both White Lightning and, Gr- and Gator are fantastic. I remember uh, marathoning both of those with a buddy of mine because his mom just had a massive uh, movie collection. Just lots of random stuff, random horror, underrated, underseen action stuff, horror stuff, slapstick comedy stuff. And s- some of the stuff we found were some old, like, Burt Reynolds ones, and we watched both um, White Lightning and Gator back-to-back and just loved them. This is when I was a kid. I was at least maybe seven, eight, nine years old when I saw them. I checked them out again uh recently a couple of years back and I still love them like those are it's it's just it's though as Cecil said the type of movies that you couldn't really make or market today where they're like look at all these cars we're gonna smash the shit out of and these buildings we're gonna blow up and it's like that's totally 70s like that's something you you market in the 70s that way and I kind of wish they still did that because to me that that's still so much more mesmerizing than like a CG explosion or a bunch of CG cars and stuff like that I want to see a, a real car wreck I want to see a real building blow up like to me that's that's movie magic is managing to do that without fucking killing someone well then after that he's got the football movie the longest yard which is the first of a couple of football movies he made Mm -hmm. now i never saw the 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 remake although i know he's in that too the longest yard is one of those again it's a 70s movie that i know they remade it but they only remade it it only got made because it was a remake i don't think you could do a football movie about prisoners up the guards at the prison on the football field. I mean, Richard Keel in the movie, remember, he's delighted. I broke his fucking neck. Yeah! <laughs> and these are the good guys we're rooting for. Burt Reynolds' character, I'm pretty sure, has like a drinking problem. He's in he's in jail for what, like a DUI? Something like that? He he, he leads the police on a very high-speed chase and yeah. uh, he, he fucks a lot of cop cars up. It's, an, it's another, you know, it's one of those things that you come to expect from a Burt Reynolds movie. A lot of yeah. auto automobiles get destroyed it's a movie that had no business being an adam sandler remake like i said i never saw the remake i I watched the trailer for the remake and it looks like it was actually pretty close story-wise though yeah but at least a lot of the beats are in the trailer yeah but you can actually buy burt reynolds as a football player you can't really buy adam sandler to be fair adam sandler bulked up a lot for it like he he had the size down uh it's still like i i'm not defending the movie at all it was a completely unnecessary necessary remake but i think out of all the film's problems the believability of adam sandler being in it is not like because seriously if, if you had seen him around that era like he wore a lot of big bulky clothes dude was actually like super in shape he oh. really was he was like he bulked up a lot back then so he but he concealed it because he didn't you know i don't know he he wanted to, he didn't want to be thought of as like the carrot top guy but going to the original oh, i love the original i think that's and i i hate football I could give a crap about football. The original Longest Yard, and I know the remake does this too because it's in the trailer, has that iconic scene where one of the guards is trying to beat him with his baton, and he grabs the baton in mid-swing and pushes it back. 
And mm. you're like, yes, that's one of those, yeah, get em moments, you know? <laughs> yeah. But then yeah, the original, I mean, I'm not, it's the weird thing with me is I hate sports. I don't like watching sports. I hate football. I hate hockey and soccer and all that shit. But I love a good sports movie. I don't know what it is. Like, I love Longest Yard. I love uh, Slap Shots. Uh, Longest Yard is a classic to me, the original Burt Reynolds one. I think it's one of both one of his best movies and one of the best sports movies. He he went and did At Long Last Love in 1975 with, with Peter Bogdanovich, where it was a throwback to old musicals of the 30s and 40s and live singing. Now, Peter Bogdanovich was actually so ashamed of the movie, he printed an apology in Variety for anyone who paid to go see At Long Last Love. At Long Last Love, you get to hear Burt Reynolds sing. And unfortunately, that won't be the last time I have to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Can't be as bad as Cindy Crawford singing. Like, even she... Like, she took singing lessons and was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And then she did it. And she's like, why did you make me do this? <laughs> well, and then he plays himself in a cameo in Silent Movie, the Mel Brooks film. And then we got Gator with the second Gator McCluskey. And then even though he turned down the role of Han Solo, Smokey and the Bandit in 1977 was the second highest grossing film of the year coming in only a million dollars behind Star Wars. And hmm. Smokey and the Bandit became a certifiable classic to the point point where sales of Trans Ams went up 400% from 1977 to 1978 after that movie came out. I I think a lot of people, because when you say 1977 in film, everyone goes, oh, Star Wars. I think people forget Smokey and the Bandit was right there. Give me a Diablo sandwich at Dr. Pepper. Make it fast. I'm in a goddamn hurry. <laughs> that was all ad-libbed, too. Well, that was that was the brilliance of the movie. Because you had, you had Bert playing a really great character in The Bandit. But you had Jackie Gleason just killing it oh my god as as a as freaking the as smoky oh my god buford t justice oh god was he amazing you know we ain't got time for that oh uh, i actually <laughs> punch I, your mama in the mouth <laughs> I, I actually I, I, when i saw the 40th anniversary screening there were three moments in that movie where i turned to my girlfriend and went my god you could not do this in a movie today there was the joke early on where a girl is, is giving somebody a prize at a race and the guy just grabs her butt and starts kissing her. I'm like, look, sexual assault as comedy. <laughs> and, and and then th- there was the moment where the black sheriff comes up to Buford T and he goes, go on, boy, why don't you go get me your boss? And he goes, I am the boss. And he goes, oof. I'm like, okay, I, you couldn't do that joke today. All on radio. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 there are moments in this movie that are very, very 1977, aren't there? Well, yeah. see, the thing is, though, and and here's here's one of my problems with a lot of stuff that's going on now is that they try to look at stuff from the past through the lens of today, and I think that we need to just simply remember the things that happened in the past. It's not a reflection of who we are; it's a reflection of who we were. And a lot of stuff, it's still funny, and you just have to take into consideration. Well, it was just it was a different time, and so don't look at it from from anything more than that. We, you know, things are different now and for better or worse and uh that was just a when when you're looking at something like that you're looking at it of well that's what was going on at the time so uh i kind of just you know i I, it's not i'm not one of those people that's like oh god like somebody was just bitching about how 
they can't watch I can't remember what movie it was. This is something like the Goonies or whatever, where they're just like, Oh my god, there's a casual rape joke and it's just like like was anybody actually hurt? No. It's like then then you lighten up. Plenty of more disturbing things in the Goonies any anyway, like the fact that they're they're following um Basically a family of like serial killers. Yeah. There's, there's a lot, but, but no, yeah, you, you make a, you make a bad joke and oh god, that's horrible. But the thing with Smokey and the Bandit was, and, and this is what's unfortunate because, you know, Hal Needham could have not seen this coming. By the time we get to the sequel in 1980, there's still some I want to talk about in between there. Smokey and the Bandit was such a hit. It inspired a string of very inferior ripoffs mm. that diluted why Smokey and the Bandit was so damn good. Like I said, I just saw it on the big screen last year for its 40th anniversary screening, and it's better than I remembered it being. Smokey mm. and the Bandit is a fantastic movie, and it's just it's kind of been lost in the all the the the, the jokes on in Clerks and in stuff like that. That it Smokey and the Bandit's gotten dismissed by hit by film history, and I think. That's a shame. Like references to it are a little bit oversaturated. It's the same thing Cecil's saying was with uh with Deliverance, like the squeal like a pig boy, all that stuff. Everybody remembers Deliverance just for the movie where a guy gets raped by a redneck, but it, there's so much more to it than that. I think that both are films that uh, need to be rediscovered by a lot of people. Now, this film is not a sequel to The Longest Yard, but he did another football movie called Semi-Tough, which I consider, if it's not a sequel to The Longest Yard, it's a spiritual sequel in the in the same way that Cut and Run is a spiritual sequel to Cannibal Holocaust. To me, Semi-Tough and Longest Yard are a double feature. Never seen Semi-Tough. Mm, same. Haven't seen it. Well, but then in 1978, we get Hooper. It's a little bit meta because Burt Reynolds plays a stuntman on exploitation movies by Hal Needham, so mm. he's kind of playing himself while making Smokey and the Bandit and the Gator movies, but it's a comedy, and then you got Jan Michael Vincent, Jan Michael Vincent coming up as his not really protege, but more of his enemy, and then they become friends. Hooper, I haven't seen it in 20 years, but I remember being just funny as hell. That bar fight was so amazing. Hooper is fantastic. It's been a few years since I've seen it, but I love it. It's, it's one that I I like to revisit every now and then. Really, really funny early example of, of sort of meta humor and a really, really good, solid example of how to do it right uh, without being overbearing about it. Oh, Hooper's amazing. I mean, I, I think I kind of uh, covered it. The, the the bar fight is great. The dialogue is great. The the end sequence is great. It's a movie that uh, it just encompasses why I think there are a lot of stuntmen that should be directors. They get it. They understand it and uh, they don't throw in like 10 tons of CG. Like that's why we we're talking a little bit about how the director of Deadpool or I'm sorry, the director of John Wick is now doing Deadpool 2. I think that uh, you get them. They understand, you know, what they can do and what needs to be CG and what doesn't. You know, you can put in a lot more uh, action sequences. You can put in a lot more fights and a lot more stuff that just looks right and looks good mm -hmm. on film as opposed to a couple people on a green screen flailing around at each other. Well, and then he did a couple of more Dan August TV movies from his old TV show, and then Smokey and the Bandit 2. Now, the only bad thing I'll say about Smokey and the Bandit 2 is it really is 
wash, rinse, repeat of the original Smokey and the Bandit. It really doesn't bring anything new to the table, but it's still a highly entertaining film. Yeah, the same. It's it's really a rehash of the original, but it's still fun. Like it's, you know, uh, it, it it didn't try to be anything more um and I don't know, and it, and it kind of um it's it's a nice little companion. And it's and it's definitely not 3. Where Smokey is the bandit. Ugh. Not really, <laughs> but uh, we'll talk about that in a little we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh it's it's uh, not different enough to its own detriment and it's not different enough to its uh, accomplishment, I guess, because it plays it safe enough to be entertaining, but not brave enough to be really different as a sequel. I've only seen it a few times. Well, and then you got the first Cannonball Run where, you know, J.J. McClure and Cannonball Run is not Burt Reynolds' movie. You know, it's very much an ensemble film. He is the one you remember from that movie. Everyone remembers Jackie Chan is in Cannonball Run too. He's in the first Cannonball Run as well, guys. Cannonball Run is a fantastically fun movie, although personally, maybe because of when I grew up, I actually kind of enjoy Cannibal Run 2 more, and I know that's 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 a, a sacrament I just broke, but deal with it. Classic. Just, I mean, what can I really say? It's a fantastic movie. Incredibly memorable. Great stuff. Great action. Really hilarious moments. It's It's hard to actually talk about it without just saying, just go watch it. Cannibal Run's fantastic. It is a hilarious ensemble like a lot of times ensemble movies really fail hard but uh, for whatever reason i don't know but this one it just completely works there's so much humor going on cast obviously is having an absolute blast playing in the movie uh it's fun it's funny it's still fun and funny after all these years one of the comedies right up there with like stripes and caddyshack that just is still funny after all these years it's also one of those movies that reminds you Wow, you could get away with a lot in a PG movie back then. They all the swearing, there's full frontal well there there's naked tits. Man, I I miss the days when a PG movie would now be a soft R. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I mean, I'm doing uh, Avalanche this week and there's full frontal nudity and a a naked butt in that. In just a <laughs> and it's listed as like a family, you know, like I mean I watched Airplane not, uh, 2 last week, Cecil. Oh, with the Do you remember uh, the... how much nudity is in Airplane 2? I don't remember that much new. I remember the um the uh they're going through the metal detector. Yeah, th- 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 there's that, and there's a, there's another shot too. And I'm like, this is a lot of boobs for a PG movie. Hey man, I think the the litmus test as far as PG is concerned with nudity has got to be Sheena. Like, oh yeah. Oh my God. Or, the, or Tanya Roberts. Uh, well, I think Sheena actually might have more nudity in it than Beastmaster. Beastmaster had a lot, but t- but Sheena had a whole lot of Tanya Roberts. But then in 1981, Burt Reynolds is Sharky in Sharky's Machine. And this is one of the, one of the first times in his movie career, cause, you know, Gator McCluskey is kind of that freewheeling, you know, fun kind of character the bandit is and whatnot. This is the first one where he's trying, this is kind of a serious movie. It, it has humor in it, but Sharky's Machine is one of the more serious attempts where he's trying to play a, a kind, well, he's not corrupt, but a kind of on the edge cop. Burt Reynolds makes it work. Not sure if I've seen this one. He, he's a vice cop in this one, and hmm. uh, so there's a lot of hookers. Well, as there would be in a, in a movie about vice cops. Um, I'll need to check this one out. Not in a very long time. Well, but then he goes back to being goofy again in The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, where again he sings. And I remember my mom always had the VHS of this lying around, and the whole whorehouse in the title always made me want to see it. And then I saw it and went, well, that was soft. <laughs> 
another one I only saw once a long time ago. I was kind of eh on it. Not really my thing. I didn't think he was bad. I just didn't, you know, I don't know. Maybe if I revisit it now that I'm, cause I think I saw it when I was like 14. Yeah. I never, you know, it's, it's like, ah, oh, she's got big tits. I'm like, eh, yeah, but you know, yeah, but she you doesn't know. show them. Uh, but you know, I, that's, oh that's, my God. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, it's more to it than that, but I'm just saying like, that was kind of the big thing with her where they're like, oh, she, you know, and I'm like, eh, so did Lonnie Anderson. I wasn't really crazy about her either. That big fake bleach blonde, you know, look and all that stuff. That was never my thing. Yeah. So, uh, so consequently, I, I never really cared. I'd rather watch Rhinestone, quite frankly. Um, I only know of it. I only know of it. I haven't actually seen it. If Dolly, Dolly Parton's in that one with, with Burt Reynolds. Yep. Dom DeLuise is, I don't think he's a TV preacher, but he's like a, a, a TV something. And, and you know, they, they all sing and he's trying to get the whorehouse shut down for moral grounds. And, uh, Burt Reynolds is the sheriff who's sleeping with Dolly Parton, who's the madam of the whorehouse. And it's way more sanitized than anything I just brought up. Yeah, no, I haven't, uh, I haven't seen that one, but, uh, I do, I do like Dolly Parton with, uh, Stallone in Rhinestone for completely ironic reasons. So maybe I would like this movie for the same reason. Well, and then Burt Reynolds goes to Stroker Ace, which the only thing I remember about this one is, and yes, I know she's not Elvira. I remember Cassandra Peterson because I'm like, holy crap, is that Elvira? I know she's not dressed as Elvira, but that's Elvira in this movie. It's it's been a while again. Is that I'm the pretty... one with uh, is that the one where the Elvira actress chick uh, strips? No, Does she play a stripper uh, in it. No, uh, this is a race car movie. Yeah, he's uh, a he's a, a race car driver. And yeah, I don't think I've there, seen it. Wasn't there something to do with beer? Uh, oh, with, every with, Burt Reynolds movie. Has with Burt Reynolds, there's always with Burt. No, I I know, but I'm saying I thought it was some. I thought there was something like like no, I'm not talking smoking the bandit with the cores and all that. But I'm saying like, wasn't there some kind of licensed beer through? I I might be mixing things up. Maybe. I don't know. But but then we got to Smoky and the Bandit three, which okay, Kevin Smith, you, you headed the line writing Clerks that you said Burt Reynolds isn't in the movie. Yes, he is. He's a hallucination that Sheriff Justice has. But Burt Reynolds does have a cameo in the movie. Smoky and the Bandit three. We're, we're probably never going to see the original cut because originally what they were going to do because Burt Reynolds didn't want to come back for this one so what they were going to do is Jackie Gleason was going to play the bandit and Buford T. Justice in a dual role and test audiences were so confused they they got Jerry Reed to come back from the first two films and he plays the bandit in this I want to see the original cut because Smoking the Bandit 3 it's easily the weakest of the three I want to see what kind of a clusterfuck that original cut was and I know you guys do too I watched a bit of it and couldn't really get through the whole thing found it pretty forgettable and don't remember much of it uh yeah it's it's definitely the weakest of the three and uh, i would love to see the original cut simply because it, it's just a, just a curiosity factor you know yeah because i'm and the original title wasn't Smokey and the bandit three it was Smokey is the bandit that was probably the cleverest thing in the movie though but then we've got cannibal run 2 the movie burt reynolds this was the first movie where he said he was a complete whore he did not want to do the movie he didn't like the script and then he said he saw all the zeros at the end of that check so this was the first time he took the the money over the script Cannibal Run 2, I think, is a tremendously fun movie. I love it. And you can't tell he doesn't want to be in this movie. You can't. You can never tell. You really can't ever tell when he's phoning it in. Is it, is the guy is just naturally charismatic. That's probably the, the biggest compliment you can pay to the dude. You can put him in anything and he's going to be fun to watch. 
I never noticed that he was dialing it in on Cannonball Run 2. I enjoyed it, and I never noticed that he was phoning it in. So good on him. I think Cannibal Run 2 was a lot of fun. I uh, Not as fun as the first one, but still really good. Uh, you know, entertaining, a little more, if you could believe it, more silly than the first one. But uh, it's way uh, more I, slapstick and cartoonish, yeah. Yeah, it's it's much more cartoonish, but I, I didn't hate it. It's been a while, again, since I've seen it. But uh, uh, it uh, I wouldn't mind watching the – I have the first one on Blu-ray. I don't have the second one, but I wouldn't mind watching the two back-to-back if, uh, if I could get the sequel. We might do a uh, retrospective on the four Cannonball Run movies some point maybe this coming year. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd love to do that. Yeah, because a lot of it. people don't realize there are four. Uh, Speed was Speed Zone one of them. Speed Zone was originally three, and then Gumball Rally from the seventies was basically Cannonball Run, and it's what Cannonball Run was a shameless ripoff of. So everyone considers it the original Cannonball Run movie. He teamed up with Clint Eastwood in City Heat in nineteen eighty four, where Clint Eastwood was the straight man and Burt Reynolds was the smartass, and it was like a period piece thirties cop movie against gangsters. I haven't seen it in 20 years, but I remember this one. It just didn't work. I, I don't know. I mean, Bert and Eastwood, and I'm sure that they're, they both got along. They just don't have on-screen chemistry together. Maybe it's their acting styles. I remember City Heat being kind of a bust. That seems like something that would have really worked. I I haven't seen it, but it seems like those two would just be awesome bouncing off uh, off of each other as like the straight man and the smartass. Just a little bit, and uh, I don't. It's it's from an era like it's a time frame that I don't really care about, so it's really rough for me to kind of get vested in that kind of movie. So no, I I never really. I watched like a little tiny bit of it on cable once, and was like, nah. I'm sure it's a well-done movie or whatnot, but I just wasn't really interested. Well, but then he followed that up in 1985 with Stick, which is probably his most brutal movie. It's basically Commando, but with Burt Reynolds, where he's being hunted and, you know, he's got the big fight in the mall. And, of course, he's got a full beard, which just just like how Burt Reynolds looks weird clean-shaven, he looks weird with a full beard, too. This is a guy mm. who just needs just a mustache, goddammit. Up to this point, probably his most serious and most brutal film. Stick had that awesome poster of him just holding the machine gun. And, uh, yeah, I remember, uh, I remember Siskel and Ebert like ripping it to shreds. So of course I was like, all right, I have to see this. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's like brutal. Like, I mean, people get messed up. And which is kind of weird because for a Burt Reynolds movie, he tends to be a fun character. Stick is not a fun guy in this movie. No, no, he is, uh, he is rough. So that was a little bit different, but it was a financial failure. He cameoed as himself on a Golden Girls episode. And then I don't know if, uh, I know he had some financial problems and some marital problems by the late 80s, but he with Judd Nelson appeared in a PSA home video that's an hour long called Shattered. If your kids on drugs. Have either of you seen Shattered if your kids on drugs? No. Yes. Yes, I have. You can you can find it on YouTube where yes, he's uh, you can. It's, a, it's a stay off drugs PSA with Judd Nelson. This is another one where you can tell Bert's only here for the money, isn't he? Yes, he is. But he's still so so charming, and so is Judd Nelson. They actually made a great uh, great little duo. Judd Nelson uh, has long hair in this too. He does. Um, seeing that video actually really made me want um, sort of a, a Lethal Weapon movie 
between the two of them. Like you could have Judd Nelson as the Riggs character and uh, Burt Reynolds as sort of the Murtaugh. Like I think that actually would have really worked. I'm, I'm down. I'd be down with that too in this era. <laughs> but then, uh, then you got uh, Malone and Rent a Cop. These were failures too. You have switching channels where it's again going to the lighter Burt Reynolds. It didn't work. Physical evidence breaking in. He had a string of failures from about '86 to '89 until all dogs go to heaven Bert just could not catch a break man well it was what um you know more or less led to boogie nights because uh he he just kept making stinker after stinker and well, similar to what a happened decade from boogie nights well no that's what i'm saying but i mean it's what happened with travolta too like travolta was in an endless uh series of um uh the the little kid movies and uh, it wasn't until pulp fiction that he was able to reinvent his career and then uh you know right around the same time burt reynolds you know was able to make his comeback you know with with strip tease and with uh boogie nights uh strip tease was god awful but boogie nights was uh, was great uh mm-hmm. but he was or i'm sorry he was great in uh in strip tease but um but yeah i think that you know uh, a lot of actors for whatever reason go through their just a, a down phase they just can't seem to get a catch a break and you're only as good as your last hit and you make one bad movie after one bad movie i mean a lot of times you might on paper it sounds like a good movie and then you do it and it's absolute garbage and then you know yeah. the movie they turn down ends up being a humongous hit i'm sure when arnold saw the script for junior he was like oh this is fantastic i'm going to be pregnant <laughs> <laughs> or when Stallone saw Stop or My Mom Will Shoot, be like, yeah, you know, my mom is getting in the way of my job. Now you're both stupid. Uh, somebody make a stop. <laughs> mom. <laughs> well, then, then Burt Reynolds, he got desperate, so he was kind of forced back into television. He had the short-lived 12-episode series BL Striker, where he's playing, what else, a cop. And then he did the weird out-of-this-world TV series where he was just a voice. And then what I think is probably Burt Reynolds' lowest point, and I don't think he would debate this, cop and a half. Oh, I saw clips from that one. It looked pretty bad. It was horrible. You mean the number one box office film of the of <laughs> Cop and a Half? Uh, he did on. not want to do this movie. And this is one of the few times, again, he's still charismatic, but you can tell he his whole heart's not into this. He mm. doesn't want to be here. Cop and a Half, may he may not have wanted to do it, and I'm not saying that it's a good movie at all, but Cop and a Half was a hit. Cop and a Half was number one at the box office and did very well. And granted, wow. Lou Diamond Phillips is probably not particularly happy about having to do Cop and a Half 2 after, uh, you know, after 30 years or whatever. I think that uh, it was a bad move artistically. He probably was like, I don't want to do this movie, but it probably got him some good roles out of it because it was a hit. Then, then he appeared as himself a couple more times on Beverly Hills 90210 on the Larry Sanders show. And then he got what probably put him back on the map was Evening Shade, the TV series, that four season show. Never really my style. I remember my mom watched Evening Shade when I was in high school, and she loved it. That sounds like something a mom would watch. I gotta watch my Evening Shade. I remember. Keep uh, the noise down. I gotta watch Evening Shade. I think I think my grandmother watched it actually. <laughs> it is a very much like a like a motherly grandmother. It sounds very Days of Our Lives ish. It really does. Uh, now, granted, whatever it it, it was, was prime time. Yeah, but it was uh, it just the the name just sounds so bad. Um, <laughs> and I, and I'm, do you know I'm who, being... do you know who else? Do you know who else starred in this with him? Who? Pure Flix's founder, David A. R. White. Oh man, yeah, I don't know. Uh... 
I, I don't know. I don't know any. I like I said. I really. I genuinely think my grandmother used to watch it. Well, and then I, I guess Bert couldn't get away with appearing as himself. He appeared as himself in an episode of Sybil and himself as an episode of Hope and Gloria. Probably mm. the easiest money he was ever going to make. Oh yeah. But then as we get into the late '90s, his career starts making a huge uptick. He's in, like, the critically acclaimed Citizen Ruth, critically reviled but made money striptease. He's in Mad Dog Time. He's in Meet Wally Sparks. I know everyone hated that, but I happen to enjoy Meet Wally Sparks, so screw with the rest of you. And then finally Boogie Nights. Meet Wally Sparks, the, the Rodney Dangerfield movie? Yes, the, the one oh, that's that where, where, where Rodney Dangerfield is basically playing Morton Downey Jr. Yeah, oh God, Meet Wally Sparks is, was funny as hell. Dude, the, the thing with the, uh, I know it's fairly early in the beginning, but it was a, an ongoing gag where he, where he had the, um, statue penis and he was just going around and like bumping into people. <laughs> <laughs> and they all thought he had like this giant, like rock hard dick. It was so dumb, but it was really funny. Yeah, he totally, it was a parody of, uh, of Morton Downey Jr. And, uh, it was, it was a funny ass movie. I think that, uh, it does not get, uh, any respect, uh, much like Rodney. So <laughs> it was very funny. And, uh, I, I'd seen it a couple times and very much enjoyed it. Although I really don't even remember Burt being in it. <laughs> It's been years since I've seen it. I think he was one of the network executives huh. at the beginning. I think he was one of the ones that fired Wally originally. Mm-hmm. But it's been years, so don't take my word for that. But I don't think he had a large role in that. And then, of course, Boogie Nights. And it's funny because he didn't want to do Boogie Nights, but then he wins a freaking Oscar for it. What does that say about the man's commitment to a freaking role? Gifted. Gifted fucking actor. You can't teach that shit. Just like you can teach Jim Morrison how to sing, you can't teach Burt Reynolds how to act. You can't teach a Burt Reynolds acting school. You just need Burt Reynolds. See, I don't even think Burt Reynolds acts in his movies. I think that he's just, he plays Burt Reynolds in everything, and his charisma just guides him. I think that's absolutely it. It's the same thing with uh, Tom Selleck as well. Neither of them really, they, they, neither of them really play characters that are that far from who they seem to be as a person, but that on-screen charisma is just so likable that you love all of their characters. They're all incredibly easy to watch, easy to root for. Reynolds himself has this great heroic appeal to him. And in Boogie Nights, he was really one of the outstanding performances in that movie. And I love that movie as a whole, but his character is, is bar none my favorite. He's got great lines, like when um the, the cinematographer for the for the Mark Wahlberg's first scene, uh, where he's just like, oh, there's a there's a shadow behind one of them on the wall. It's like, you want me to fit? Oh, there's shadows in life, baby. Yeah, like. It's it's a terrific movie. Uh, it's a very not at all quite what I was expecting. I don't know what I was expecting when I when I saw it, but yeah, it's I mean Marky Mark's easily his his greatest role, and uh, Heather Graham is terrific in it. Uh, Burt Reynolds is is just great as the sleazebag porn director. I know a lot of people say that it kind of goes downhill in the second half, but uh, I think it just kind of supposed gets, to. Yeah, it's it that's the whole thing. It's not it's meant to, to the make movies you... just as good. Just all of their lives fall apart. Yeah, it's that's, meant to... that's the point. Very, very depressing, mm-hmm. downtrodden. Thomas Jane and uh, and Mark Wahlberg and who's God damn it? What's his face? Their other friend in the movie, John C. Riley. Yes, John C. Riley. When they're yeah. all like addicted to coke and they're trying to like sell it and shit, it's just God. The movie really takes a a phenomenal dark turn, and you it leaves I have you never... feeling you feel pretty depressed by the end of that movie, even just through that that midway half. Even though their their lives get a bit better by the end, there's this weird somber feeling that the movie leaves you with. 
I, I don't think the entire long way down one last thing sequence, I don't think I've ever seen Jesse's girl and sister Christian used to sinister effect in a movie oh before. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, he, he made those songs creepy in that. Bruce Springsteen, he's a buddy of mine. This, this didn't turn out so well for Bert. I don't know what was going on. I think he was in more financial problems. He had lots of IRS problems throughout the years. He did the two Universal Soldier TV movies, which didn't go over well. He did a series of TV movies that I've never heard of, Hard Time. He did three of these where he played Detective Logan McQueen. Looks like one a year. I don't remember the Hard Time movies. He was in Mystery Alaska. He was in Driven. I remember that, the Stallone one. I watched that one just out of pure curiosity because i like both of them it's not a bad movie i like, didn't like driven it's I mean, not stallone, stallone was good the, the um, scenes that they share together in it like um like they're them actually bouncing off each other was good but a lot of the movie is like this younger up-and-coming driver but all the that's all the, the one i hated yeah yeah all the all the stallone and reynolds stuff is solid and then basically he's been coasting the rest of his career, narrating bit parts in movies, played God in the second to last episode of The X-Files, pre-reboot, of course. I, I remember him the most from this era himself in Saints Row 3 as the mayor of Steelport. See, so were you kind of knocked over when all of a sudden Burt Reynolds shows up as Burt Reynolds in Saints Row 3, considering how batshit insane that franchise is to begin with? I want to say, like, I wasn't really surprised because, like, with Saints Row, you just kind of, like, it gets to a point where, uh, I mean, the first one was was a Grand Theft Auto clone, but it had, like, potential. Two is when they started to, to kind of get crazy with it, and then three is really when it, it took, like, uh, although I do think that two is better than three, but three is when they really decide to go nuts, and then four, four might actually be my favorite of the series, but three, like, things were getting crazy, so when Burt Reynolds shows up, it's As like- himself. As himself, it's it's crazy, but like I was like, all right, like like it wasn't quite the shot. Like when Rowdy Roddy Piper shows up in four, it's like, all right, like everything is just so nut that I'm just like, all right, more insanity. So <laughs> it, it didn't really like if I was playing uh Grand Theft Auto and Burt Reynolds shows up at Burt Reynolds, I'd be like, huh. I wasn't expecting that. But with <laughs> this, it was kind of like, I wasn't expecting it, but I'm not surprised. Well, and then he would he would dick around in small roles. You know, he was a voice on Duck Dodgers. That very disastrous Dukes of Hazard remake, he was Boss Hog. This was the first time where I'm tempted to say he didn't give it his all. Because you could see he was miserable in the role of Boss Hog. I didn't see that movie. Bert yeah. did not want to be in this film, did he? Well, I really think that a lot of people didn't want to be in it even like i think the like i said the the broken lizards guys that was just a very large paycheck to do that movie which then funded uh like i believe like two or three other films after that Mm. so um i don't fault them for doing it but i think that pretty much everybody involved really didn't want to do i think jessica simpson's probably the only one that wanted to do it well but but then a couple of years later bert had another one in the name of the king, a dungeon siege tale. Uwe Boll is very open about how difficult Bert was and how he had no energy on the set. You can kind of see it in his performance. He probably, Uwe is also notorious for throwing a large sum of money at a lot of the actors because the short, shoot is short. And I think that Bert probably saw, like he, you know, he hadn't really had a, a big role in a while. And they say, here, do this movie for a few bucks. And, you know, Lord of the Rings was really huge. So he's probably thinking it's going to be more along those lines and then getting in there and realizing, oh, 
I got paid a lot to do a, a movie that is going to be crap. And so maybe he was trying to, uh, he, maybe he was depressed or maybe he was, uh, or maybe he just didn't care. Who knows? I think that that's kind of going to be an oddball where, uh, you know, might yet Michael Madsen who was like, yeah, got a lot of money for it. You know, I didn't really care. Or, or was it Ray Liotta? Was it, uh, Ray Liotta? Michael Madsen was in Blood Rain and okay. Ray Liotta was the opposite. He, is in a different movie than the rest of them. He's overacting to a point where Shatner would go, look, dial it back, man. <laughs> Considering that Leota is now the colonel in the Kentucky Fried Chicken commercials. What? I, I, oh, you haven't heard, you haven't seen it? Yeah. Ray Leota is the colonel. Is there, is the, like, you know how they're doing all the, they have about all these comedians playing different, playing the colonel. Well, now yeah. it's Ray Leota. That's the most intimidating choice you could get for the Kentucky Fried Colonel. It, it is. Look it up God. after the, after this is over. It, it'll, oh. it'll, It'll hurt your soul seeing Ray Liotta as the colonel. Bert was uh, in TV for a while and not not a semi-regular, but appeared a few times as strip club owner Chubby on My Name is Earl. He appeared as an ex-spy on Burn Notice, and those were both good. What I consider probably his lowest moment, he took a role in not another, not another, not another teen movie, the uh, Setzer Freeberg style movie. And that had to be probably the lowest thing I've ever seen Burt Reynolds say yes to. What, 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 what? They're, they're, hold 2011, on. 2011, the movie is called Not Another, Not Another Movie. Oh my god. Not I another, not, it. okay, so it was, alright, I was gonna say, cause I don't remember him in not, cause Not Another Teen Movie was hilarious. No, this is the sequel to that. So, so it's not another, not another movie. Not another, of, not another movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, I am just now discovering that this exists. And, um, Setzer and Freeberg, just stop it. Although and, it's, oh wait, no, it wasn't. Wasn't Setzer and Friedberg? It was Schultz and Murphy. Burt Reynolds would continue to be in movies nobody's ever heard of, like Dog Ears, Apple in My Eye, Shangri-La Suite, Elbow Grease, Hollow Creek. Nobody's heard of any of these movies. They're all, he's stuck in direct-to-video hell. With the way his health is going, I don't think he's ever going to get a major role again. He did the introduction for the 40th anniversary screening of Smokey and the Bandit. I love the guy, but he looked like the Crypt Keeper wearing a Burt Reynolds mask. Mm. He He's not there anymore. And he sounded just, uh, I, I think he's basically done. I think he's ready to go, you know? He's, he's gotten, can't really fault the guy for getting old or getting sick. You know, it, it, it happens. It happens to the best of us. I think he's left behind such an incredible body of work and movies that are going to be classics forever that it doesn't matter. You know, he's, whether he's done some stinkers in his later years or not, whether he's been doing more made for, for TV or movie, you know, made for, what is it, like made for demand stuff, I guess you would say, for, for stuff like this now, it doesn't matter. He was still, he's still the bandit. He's still in Cannonball Run. He was still in Boogie Nights. He was still in all these incredible movies, playing these incredible characters, and this is what he's going to be remembered for. Let's let's keep in mind, Mark Dacascus is, what, in his 40s now, and he's doing shitty made-for-TV movies, so I think Bert's doing a little better. Why why I just threw Mark Dacascus under the, under the freaking train, I don't know. I actually just watched a made-for-TV movie he did that I enjoyed, but I just needed to make an example. I, I actually like Mark Dacascus a lot. I, I do, too. I think he's <laughs> highly underappreciated. Best thing about Brotherhood of the Wolf. <laughs> Brotherhood of the Wolf and Drive, which everybody needs to watch. Not, I mean, I love the the uh, Refn one, but Drive, the one with with him, where he's got the machine in him that makes him stronger every time he gets attacked by more people. And by oh, the end, he's taking, awesome. 
Oh, dude, by the end of the movie, he's like taking on the army by himself. It's awesome. Was Burt Reynolds in uh, Shangri-La Plaza? Not Shangri-La Plaza. And I'm hoping Shangri-La Suite is not a sequel to Shangri-La Plaza. <laughs> Weirdest I heard, thing that... I uh, heard Shangri-La that, and I'm like, wait a minute. Now, now of course, you know what's in my head again. <laughs> it's not a mall. Uh, the, strangest, <laughs> the strangest thing that Nick Castle has ever been in. And I'm putting that in my book, too. I got to talk about that. Oh, wow. <laughs> it, it, sir, it does deserve uh, uh, some chats, I mean, because it is it is something else. I mean, Chris Sarandon, uh, freaking yeah, Nick Castle. Burt Reynolds isn't in that, so yeah, but Burt Reynolds is not in that. He is in Shangri La Suite, which I've never seen. Whoever um, um, I, whoever edits our Radio Drone TV Tropes page, you need to add Shangri La Plaza because this is really becoming a, a Radio Drone trope. It just it keeps coming back it really it's does because it's not a mall it's not a mall when you can't get your aspirations oh god and, <laughs> and mercedes rhymes with ladies oh god oh, god so bad i want to like be a millionaire so i can remake it <laughs> just find every copy of it and burn it to ash every guy yeah, have like a have a burning session of it i'm sure terrence man okay happy. but all right so burt reynolds what will his legacy be? What will Bert, what will be the legacy of the Burt? I think Smoking the Bandit. I think, uh, that's probably the, the go-to of what most people will remember him for. And I think that, uh, even though he's been in a lot of really bad movies later in his career, it's not enough to like derail all the excellent stuff that he's done and all the times where he's given it his all even in bad movies so i think that it's a shame but it's a downside more of like older hollywood because when you look at like a lot of the newer stars and whatnot, they might be in some crap movies and then retire, but they've made so much money. Like back then, you know, you weren't getting paid $20 million a film. So that's why a lot of these actors from like the 60s and 70s and whatnot that are still alive, they're still making like these bad movies. They're too old to be a headliner anymore and they need, they still need to work to pull in some kind of income. So uh, I think that's really a large part of why they keep doing them. I think that his legacy is probably going to be uh, his charm and Smokey and the Bandit. His overall charisma, Smokey and the Bandit, Cannonball Run, and Deliverance. And he's always going to be remembered as just an all-out icon. No matter how many stinkers he's done, we're always going to remember Burt Reynolds as a total badass. You know who else is a total badass? Cecil. Not really. But where can Cecil be found? Oh, you shut up. I am, I am quite badass. Uh, you can find me at goodbadflix on, uh, goodbadflix.com as well as goodbadflix at YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, and Facebook as well as 1201beyond.com. And Peter is, as I said, the man. Where can people see him manning? You can find me, the manning, on Twitter, at Cinematica, on YouTube, the Cinemasticist, on Facebook, the Cinemasticist, on 1201beyond.com. T-shirts, new video is out. Go watch it, because I am, as Josh said, the man, the main man, the Lobo man, I wish. I am the man behind the man at tw- at 1201beyond.com. It's a little you gay. Contact- <laughs> hey, 20 bucks is 20 bucks. 20 bucks is 20 bucks. You can contact me at 1201beyond at gmail.com. Have a good evening. Have a good year. Keep one foot in the gutter, one fist in the gold. Have a good night. This is Sheriff Buford T. Justice. I'm in pursuit of a black trans He's all mine. So stay out of the way. He's coming down, looking up and
Find it and other great content at 1201beyond.com.